This morning we are uh, thinking a little bit about our Contagious Christianity series, and I want to ask you to think about some movies for me for just with me for just a second. A couple of movies that um, remind me that every good story has a mission. I don't know how many of you were here this last Wednesday for the Storied Family uh, by the Gearhearts. Boy, if you missed out, you really missed out. It was phenomenal. They did a wonderful job giving us some principles and some very practical things to share the story of faith right around our own kitchen tables, right around our own living rooms with the people we love. It was excellent material. And thank you uh, to Elaine and many others who made that happen. And one of the things that I got out of that was it's important for every story to have a mission, a point, a plot. And so think about this when you think about movies. Um, there's an old movie, The Blues Brothers. Uh, they were on a mission from God, right? That was their mission. Their mission was actually they wanted to, 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 uh, play in enough, uh, they get their band back together and, and play enough events that they could raise $5,000 to save this orphanage that they had grown up in, if you'd forgotten that. But they, they kept referring to that through the entire movie. We're on a mission from God. And that, that meant they could basically do whatever they wanted because they felt that they had been called by God to do this mission. A little bit newer movie, and certainly a one that's very profound, is the mission, mission uh, the movie of Saving Private Ryan. Okay? Just these uh, officers who go out in search of this single private, all his other brothers have perished in war, and their mission is to seek and to save Private Ryan. And it's a, I mean, it's a very graphic movie. It's really hard to watch. It shows the horrors and the hell of war. Uh, but it, it reminds us of what so many, the ultimate price that so many paid. They, they were on a mission to seek and to save. There are some movies where the stated mission almost seems impossible. Uh, this Mission Impossible themed movies have been going on for decades. And, um, but every, every movie that they have, every one, it's almost like there's this seemingly impossible, insurmountable uh, villain or challenge that they're going to have to go through to to, to achieve the mission. Of course, Tom Cruise and the boys always get it done, or whoever you remember playing Mission Impossible. The point is, without a mission, you don't have a story. Without a mission, you don't have much of a movie. It, you, it, it takes something like a mission to get you involved. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about your mission. I want you to think about your mission as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, to review some of the things we've talked about in this series on Contagious Christianity. First, we said that why evangelism fails, the number one reason why it fails is this. We don't do it. And that's most often the case, is that we, we just kind of let the great commission become the great omission. Secondly, we said that every soul, the reason we do this is because every soul matters to God. Every soul has great worth in His eyes. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the sower's struggle, and this was the idea that not every seed is going to sprout, but our job is to keep sowing. doesn't have anything to do with the sower, doesn't have anything to do with the seed, 
It has everything to do with the soil. We just keep sowing. Or, or as we illustrated, we just keep flipping the cards. We just keep approaching it that way. So today I want to remind you that if you are a Christian, then you are on a mission. And all that you do, I don't know when you were baptized into Christ, when your journey with Christ began, but but God wants you to be, ever since that day began, to be on mission to help to seek and to save the lost and to reach others for Him. This was the last uh, command that He gave. Matthew, Mark chapter 16 is the one we'll read this morning. Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16. And this is page 1096 in the Pew Bible if you're using that Bible. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. For all the things that we do, for all the good works that we are a part of, may we not lose sight of our mission. And may we intentionally and purposefully be on mission. Um, several weeks ago, I asked everyone to take one of the Pew Bibles for the, ask you to make a list and, and intentionally share that Pew Bible with someone that's been on your heart. And so someone texted me yesterday and, and shared the story about doing that. And she didn't give me permission to share, so I won't give you her name, but she, I thought this was a really cool idea. She said, I took the Bible I have a family member that's been on my heart and took the Bible and I went through and highlighted and asked other family members who were Christians to highlight their favorite scriptures and most impactful scriptures. And uh, this family member was, was leaving, uh, going, uh, moving away, and this Bible was going to be given as one of the gifts to that family member. I thought, that's really cool. But not just cool because, hey, I asked you to do it and somebody did it. Cool because there was someone who didn't forget her mission. And, and, and I want to encourage you to keep on mission. Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world. We know in the book of Acts, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to all the ends of the earth. All of the missionary journeys at the beginning of the word missionary journey is the word mission, right? We expect our missionaries to be on mission, but we too are called to be missionaries and stay on mission. Now, a couple things about being on mission that I hope will help you and encourage you. There's something very important you need to remember, and that is this. You are not the Messiah. There is only one Messiah and you are not him, and I'm not him either. None of us are. And so our job on mission is not to, to bring people to us, but to bring people to the Messiah. In John chapter 3, it's the story of basically Jesus is ascending in his ministry. He's getting more and more disciples. John the Baptist, who is his predecessor, He's losing disciples. Some people are going from John to Jesus. And John understood what that was all about, but John's disciples did not. And they say to him, 
Um, well, I'll just read John's statement in John chapter 3, verse 30. He says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Can you imagine what humility that John the Baptist must have had? But he understood. He understood the mission, and he understood that the mission was not about him. He had a part in the mission. His job was to make way the paths of the Lord, to go in the spirit of Elijah, but he was, he was not the Messiah. And so, as the crowds that came to John became less and less, and the crowds that came to Jesus were more and more, John wasn't overcome with jealousy or envy. He just understood his part of the mission was coming to an end. You and I have a, a mission, but we must not mistake the mission for thinking that we're the Messiah. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote to the young minister Timothy, and I, I love that he wrote this to him because this is something that's important for ministers to know. He says, For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave him himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Paul emphasizes that there's just one. One God, one Savior, one mediator. And by the way, Timothy, it's not you. And as a minister reading that, it takes a lot of pressure off. As I remember in the same way, there's one God and one mediator. And it's the man, Christ Jesus. Now, for you and I, I hope that that takes the pressure off you as well. Sometimes when we think about sharing our faith or sharing the gospel, we put all the pressure on us. But our job, our mission is really to point the way to the Messiah. And, and that's not us. And so we take the attention off of ourselves and we put it on to Jesus. A, a little tip for you, if you're ever in a, a situation where someone is drowning. I don't know if you've ever been in a swimming pool or a pond or a lake or you've been around someone who's struggling in the water. I've never been in that situation. I've been the person who's been, when I was really young, I almost uh, went under in a city pool. But if you've ever been around someone who is drowning, you're, you're, even if you are, are heroic in nature, you should understand that the, the last thing in the world you want to do is to try to save them yourself. You say, well, why not? That sounds a little selfish. Well, what I mean by that is, if you see someone drowning in the water, and it's deep water, and you go out after them, they, if they're a frantic, if they're panicking, if they get anything, including a human being, they will push you down to get up, to get up above the waterline. They will drown you as you're trying to save them. And if they can't swim and then you drown, you both might drown. And so the wisdom that lifesavers give is don't try to save them yourself. Now, there, there might be exceptional situations where there's no other option, but there are are better ways to do it. Generally speaking, you want to try to either reach them, 
you know, be, be on the side of the pool or side and reach them yourself, but you're anchored to something. Uh, this was the case when I went under, when I was a child, I went under the water and I was, you know, I didn't swim very well. And the gentleman whose name I still don't know, but he reached down and he was, he just very solidly pulled me up. I probably wasn't but 40 or 50 pounds, probably wasn't a big deal to him, okay, but he was anchored. It, it, the other thing they teach you is to throw them a lifesaver, throw them a rope, throw them uh, a flotation device. And that's, that's a picture that I want to give you. When you're sharing the gospel, don't believe that you have to try to save them yourself. You can't. You're not the Savior. What you can do is lead them to the life Savior. Think about it like this. Um, nearly every life-saving device, as this kind of just came up to my say, like, I don't know if this is intentional or purposeful or how this worked out or just a God-winking kind of thing, but every life-saving device typically has a cross on it. I just pulled these from Google Image, but I, I went and found the church, one of the church first aid kits, and sure enough, cross is right there. I think that's a good lesson for us to remember that the Savior is not us. When you're, you know, the, the lifeguard has a buoy, the first aid kit has the supplies, American Red Cross has the, the blood, those are all vessels to lead you to the thing which does the saving. And so, may we remember that we are not the saviors. Only He can do the saving. So don't make the mission about you. It's not about you at all. It never has been. And I think sometimes people are reticent about personal evangelism. That very phrase just gives people, you know, they just react in a negative way. They don't, they've had such bad experiences, or maybe they've tried to do it, it didn't work. Then let's take the pressure off and just, just say simply, the mission is not about you. To the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul wrote several letters. We have a couple of them in the pages of the New Testament. We don't have... Unfortunately, the letters that they wrote to him and what all he's responding to, but, but we can look and we can see and we can surmise there were some problems. And as we think about this, uh, there's this 1 Corinthians chapter 3, page 1,221, if you're following along. There is a church that's divided around personalities. It seems like there's one camp for Paul. Right? Everybody liked Paul. They thought he was great. And there was another camp for Apollos. They thought he was a great orator. And they, they just really listened to him. And they begin to, to split into factions. And they divide, begin to divide by personality and by people. And Paul corrects them a little bit. He says, listen, you're forgetting. This is not about me. And it's not about Apollos. So I won't read the, the whole chapter, but he really kind of lays into them for being so worldly and so fleshly. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul, this is verse 4, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not 
merely being human. Okay? The world does that. You know, every two or four years, we, we gather around a person. And we say, that's our person. He says, the church is not to be that way. Verse 5, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Now notice he doesn't say who. He's not talking about them personally, but he says what is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither who, he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. You see, we need to understand that the mission's not about us. And if you have the opportunity to share Jesus with a coworker, with a friend, with a family member, with a neighbor, you, you are engaging in mission work, but the mission is not about you. You're just a vessel. You're just planting. You're just watering. But it's God who will give the growth. And so, may that take the pressure off you, and, and may you also remember this. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He's the one we should point to. Remember that even in Jesus' ministry, some will reject the Master. Some rejected the Master. They did back in Jesus' day. But we have to be careful not to, not to take this personally. John chapter 6 is where we are. Uh, John chapter 6, page 1145. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is John 6, verse 66. After this, many of the disciples just turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to them, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And he goes on to say, We have believed, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. When you share Jesus, there will be some that will say, Yes, absolutely. Sign me up. Where's water? What prevents me from being baptized? In fact, tonight, Sunday night, we're going to talk about that, uh, that very story. And sometimes you have that experience. I've had people come to the building and say, I'm ready to be baptized. I and mean, they watch and know your Bible. They've been studying. They're ready. They know what they need to do. And they just need to find some water to do it. Those are cool. Those are cool stories, but they're rare. They don't happen all the time. But there are going to be times when you share Jesus with all the passion that you have, with all the sincerity in the world, with all the love for their soul that that you can muster, and they will still say no. Or they will still ignore the text. Or they will not return the phone call. Or they'll not meet for a Bible study. And in that moment, you'll think, oh, what have I done wrong? And I just want to tell you, it's, it's not about you. When you present Jesus faithfully and sincerely, there will be people who reject Jesus. There were people who rejected people in this book 
who saw him do the miracles. There were people who saw the risen Jesus and still would not believe. So many people think that, well, if we just could see the miracles, if we just have a little proof in the pudding, we'd believe. No, no, that wouldn't be the case. Wouldn't be the case at all. God wants all people to be saved. And hopefully as a church, we want all people to be saved. But hear me now, they must want to be saved. Do you understand? They must want it. God wants it. We want it. But they have to want it. And we can't want it more than they want it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Scripture says, Peter, uh, he writes, Do not overlook this one fact. This is page 1302. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. See, the Lord certainly is not slow. He wants everyone to be saved but he will not force their hand. And he will not force yours either. Maybe you've heard a thousand sermons, but you said, yeah, I just don't think I need to be baptized. I, I just don't think I want to. I'm scared to go in front of everybody. I, you know, you have your reasons. Or my grandma and all of this. And you just have all your reasons. And I just want to say to you sincerely, please hear the Lord Jesus. Please listen to Him and obey Him. But you have to make that decision. You have to want it more than I can want it for you. You have to want it before anyone else will want it. May we not forget that that we are not the Savior. And if we can lead others to Jesus, that's our mission. May we stay true to that mission. And may we keep in mind that there will be some who will reject the Master and it doesn't have anything to do with you. Let's get practical as we've endeavored to make this series very practical and emphasize the practical part of evangelism. To review some of the things we've talked about. One is, don't forget to make a list. I really want to encourage you to have a paper. I know we can do things on our phones, computers, and all of that, but... There's something to writing things down. And if you haven't done that this morning, take your hand out and just scratch there on the back or under the sermon notes. Just write the names of five people that are on your heart that need Jesus. There's something to writing it down. Secondly, pray for the lost. Okay, hope you're doing that every day. Love the lost. It's not, Jesus said, by, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. May we take that seriously. May we love them well. May we engage the lost. Okay? We have to, have to meet them. We have to you know, engage in their lives. I love Christian fellowship. That's great. 
may we not forget to engage the lost as well. May we share Christ. May we use our home. May we tell our story. Um, These are the things we've talked about so far. Three new ones for today. Number one, ask God. Ask God to lead you to souls. Uh, Here's why I say that. I had a gentleman tell me in response to this series, he said, sometimes I've asked God to lead me to a soul, and he, he has always answered that prayer. But who he had in mind was very different from who I had in mind. And I thought, that was good. Be open to the fact that your list, <laughs> God certainly has a better list than you do. And so let's start, even though we have these five people on our hearts, let's start by just asking God to lead us to one. Second, um, confess Christ. Confess Christ. There is something about the power of his name. Several years ago, um, had a, a young lady come up here to the building, and she wanted to see the preacher, And she was very adamant that she wanted to be baptized. Now, I didn't know her background. I didn't know what she knew, what she didn't know. So I said, well, come on to my office and we'll talk a little bit about that. And she was just adamant that she wanted to be baptized. We talked about belief. She's like, I believe. She's like, but, you know, there's got to be penitence in your heart. I mean, are you repentant of sin and, and you're willing to leave that lifestyle behind and all of that, she said, yes, I repent. I, she was just like, I want, I'm ready to do it right now. And she, she was so adamant. Now, in talking with her, it was clear that this lady had some, some problems. And I don't know the full details of what those problems were. I said, okay, you know, if you want to do it and you're sincere in your belief that Jesus is the Christ, then we can do it. So off we went. And since she was a young lady, I asked the female staff member who was here at the time, Elaine, to come back with me to, to do the baptism. And so she agreed and came back. And I don't know if Elaine remembers this or not, but I'll never forget it. And it was apparent the more we talked to her that there was some things that we didn't know what, what was happening in this woman's life. And so she went into change. And Elaine, she said, now, after the baptism, when you pray for her, Just keep saying the name of Jesus. Keep bringing it back to Jesus. Because if there's something spiritually, or this this woman has some some deeper issues, Jesus is the name above all names. Jesus is the name we need to bring her to. And so I thought that was good wisdom. We did. I mean, I prayed more to Jesus and about Jesus in that prayer than I had a long time. (laughs) But it's good wisdom. There is something about the name. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10, 32. Matthew 10, 32. This is page 1046 in the Pew Bible. Jesus says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I need to say that 
may our confession of Christ not be limited to a moment right before a baptism. Our, our profession of his name should carry all throughout our Christian walk. Because again, we, we are pointing our, the glory back to him. And so, in a setting like this, if someone comes to be baptized and we ask them, you know, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Or we ask them to make the good in confession. Those are, that's good. That's wonderful. That should be done. And that confession should not stop there. A pointed question for you. If you're a Christian, besides the time that you were baptized, when was the last time that you professed Christ to another? Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. If you haven't confessed him lately, I want to encourage you to bring Jesus into the conversation more and more. If you'll confess his name before men, he'll confess your name before the Lord someday. You say, that's, that's a problem for me, preacher. I'm not like you. I can't get up and speak for hours and hours. I can't do that. What am I to do? I'm not very eloquent. And I say, you're in a perfect position. Moses was just like you. And God said, Moses, I want you to, I want you to lead my people out. And Moses said, please, please, since this is someone else. He said, I'm not eloquent of speech or tongue. God said, perfect. You're just the guy I want to use. If you're not good at explaining or sharing or teaching, good. Because that gives more room for God's glory instead of yours. Puts, puts the focus on him and not your gift. And finally, may you tell somebody. May you share Christ. The woman at the well, her beautiful confession in John chapter 4, it simply starts with these four words. Come, come see a man. Come see a man. May you ask God, may you confess Christ, and may you get about the business of telling somebody. You see, you and I, we're here to tell somebody about someone who is on a mission from God. Someone who came to save. And someone whose mission was not impossible. And he put that mission into our hands to go and tell the world about him. This morning, we're not going to have an invitation. I do want to pray over you and for you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, fill our hearts with love for the lost. Father, forgive us for ever having become complacent about those who are not in the lifeboat. Fill us, Father, with the desire to confess the name of Jesus everywhere that we can, to share the good news that we can be saved from our sin 
that we can have eternity with you because of the man, Christ Jesus, the mediator, the only mediator between you and us. Father, we praise you for him. And I praise you that in your wisdom, you set about this plan long before anything began. Father, I pray that if there's any here this morning that are ready to begin that journey with Christ, I pray that you'll put it on their heart to respond and to act and to simply do what Jesus, your son, said to do, to believe and be baptized. And Father, may all of us who are in Christ be on mission about telling the world about the Messiah. We love you, God, and we we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love us because of Jesus. And it's in in his holy name that we pray these things. Amen.